The Revolt of 2020 by Patrick Johnston. Copyright 2011 by Dr. Patrick Johnston. Read by Daniel Meyer. By kind permission of the author, this reading of The Revolt of 2020 is available for free distribution. Stay tuned at the end of this reading for more information and links to additional resources. Chapter 13. Austin, Texas. Tens of thousands of Americans flooded into the capital of Texas every hour. Pro-life groups, civil rights groups, pro-gun groups, and churches from every denomination were represented from every state in the country. The law enforcement community was largely unprepared for the number of people who arrived for the march and the rally. A large portion of the downtown area was allocated for the march, but law enforcement had to change plans and dramatically increase the size of the area to be blocked off in order to accommodate the masses. As Elijah, Jared, and Natalie ventured into the throng downtown, Jared's eye caught a group of young people whose appearance made him wince as if someone had just poked him in the ribs with a stick. Some had long, brightly dyed hair, black clothes, and black fingernail polish. Others dressed more casually but donned vulgar shirts. A couple of them held signs, but Jared was unable to read them from where they were. Check that out, Lige. Lige looked in the direction that Jared pointed and saw the crowd of about fifty young people walking across the road. Bet you they aren't here for the march. Maybe there's a counter-protest, Jared suggested. Let's follow them, Lija answered. They walked in the direction of the group for a couple more blocks until the Capitol building came into view. Thousands of folding chairs were lined up on the lawn facing a podium on a platform in front of the State House. The large parking lot and the city park across the street were standing room only. Within sight of the platform, plastic yellow police tape separated an area about the size of a basketball court. They noticed about a hundred hippies and gothic-looking characters mingling inside the taped-off area. More slowly trickled in. Two police officers stood between the taped-off area and the two-lane blocked-off road. A large poster taped to a tree inside the taped-off area read, Students for Social Action. Looks like SSA is going to be out here today, Elijah looked at Natalie. What do you say, want to go check them out? Natalie shrugged and then nodded. I'll meet you guys back here in about twenty minutes, Jared headed off toward the Capitol building. Natalie accompanied her brother through the crowds toward the two officers who stood talking to a counter-protester. As they walked up, they could overhear the conversation. I don't care, just get permission, the University of Texas SSA president, Nick Crowder, exclaimed disrespectfully. Can't you police do anything? He spat out the word police as if it were a vulgar insult. You don't understand, an officer pleaded patiently with the young man. We expect over 200,000 people here today for the march. We just cannot tape off the whole block for you. If you don't, you're going to have trouble, the SSA president, a bushy-haired fellow with a silver tongue ring that flopped in and out of his mouth between sentences, boldly grabbed the officer's shoulder. We're going to have ten times more people than we thought. We need more of the area blocked off. Getting grabbed by the disrespectful college student tested the officer's nerves. He brushed him off. When they get here, we'll accommodate you. Give us more room or you're also going to have a class action lawsuit on your hands. I'll see what I can do. The officer detached his two-way radio from his hip clip and walked away from the student, leaving a younger officer at that post. When the student retreated back inside the taped-off area, Elijah approached the younger officer who stood with his back to the yellow caution tape. Anything I can help you with, officer? The officer breathed a sigh of relief at Elijah's courtesy. No, thank you. We've got it handled. We'll have a few dozen more officers at this location before the rally. I've looked into students for social action, and they frequently resort to violence to get their point across, Elijah warned. Looks like we've got that on both sides of the aisle today. The officer cast a suspicious glance at a table across the street, a stone's throw away. Fifty people were lined up in front of the table that had a banner over it that read, Statement for Defensive Action for Preborn Babies. People were signing a statement confessing that preborn children have the same right to life and defense as people already born. Yeah, Elijah nodded, noticing that Jared was in line to sign the statement. My friend and I, Elijah said, motioning to Natalie, are going to mingle and make friends in here. He thumped the yellow plastic tape next to him that was stretched waist-high between two orange police barricades. Just wanted to let you know, if we discover that they're planning anything violent, we'll notify you. 
I don't think it would be a good idea to go over there with that shirt on, the policeman answered. Elijah's black t-shirt read, Jesus saves in large red letters. I'll turn it inside out then. The officer smiled and nodded. Be careful. Ten young people sat on the ground in the center of the taped-off area, whispering to each other inconspicuously and smoking cigarettes. Elijah intended to take the undercover approach to evangelism. Natalie leaned against a tree and sipped a bottle of spring water as her brother walked up and sat down next to one of the students. Sup, he slurred. The bearded, dark-skinned fellow who was speaking stopped mid-sentence. Every eye was fastened suspiciously on Elijah. Who are you? Nigga, Elijah replied with a Motown accent. Mama called me Nigel, but all my friends just call me nigga. The group erupted in a hearty laugh as Elijah feigned a puzzled countenance. Natalie grinned at her brother's spontaneous creativity. The bearded fellow extended a hand toward Elijah. Name's Jig. Elijah shook his hand. Jig? Being named after a fishing lure, you got no business laughing at my name. Who you with? asked Jig. I'm with affirmative action activists against racist American capitalistic bigotry. A-A-R-A-C-B. He was making this up as he went along. All right. One of the students raised his thumbs groovily. Elijah returned the thumbs up. I'm here to give these religious extremists hell. Y'all with the SSA? Nick Crowder, the president of SSA, responded, Lots of gay, feminist, and socialist groups here, man. But only SSA can afford the sign, huh? He motioned to the students for social action sign taped against the tree beside them. Elijah nodded as he looked round. Y'all do some good work. Standing up for the little guy, said one of them with a cigarette hanging out of the corner of his grin. Y'all anarchists or what? More or less, we just like living wages, punk rock music, marijuana, and we hate the cops and the fundies. Uh, and we like marijuana, the comedian of the group added, sparking another round of back-slapping laughs. Fundies? Elijah wondered. You mean religious fundamentalists? The fellow with the cigarette hanging out of his mouth nodded. We definitely dig Brighton and Mitch Payne, Crowder asserted, presuming to speak for the others. Elijah acted surprised. I can't figure out why so many on the left like them. Learn from history, man. State socialists like Marx, Stalin, Lenin, and their imitators from Cambodia to China slaughtered hundreds of millions of their own people. Hitler and Mussolini were state socialists. They'll use us when we're on their side and then file us away into concentration camps when they're through with us. They're pro-democracy only when the democratic vote goes their way. Crowder winced, taking the criticism personally. The alternative is religion. I'll take Marxism with mustard and rye any day. Oh, don't tease yourself, Elijah bellowed, drawing more students into the circle with his tone of voice. Brighton's as religious as they come. It's just a religion that's more palatable to us than the fundies. Humanism, Wicca, Eastern mysticism. Uh, which religion lets us smoke dope again? The clown of the bunch humored them. Elijah smiled to give the comedian the attention he craved. We're fooling ourselves to think we'll be free in Brighton's utopia. We're only useful to her as long as we help her accomplish her mission to control everything. If she were to succeed in extinguishing the right and we started protesting her phony war on drugs, her corporate welfare, or her police state, then she'll accuse us of hate crimes and wad us up and throw us in the trash like a two-dollar whore. He tossed an imaginary wad of trash over his shoulder. We wouldn't have any recourse because she's concentrated power by disarming the little guys. After an uneasy pause, an older hippie spoke up. Always did have a problem with hate speech laws deep down. The government should punish acts, not thoughts. If thoughts were crimes, I'd be a rapist a million times over. Crowder opened his mouth to speak, but then hesitated for a moment, deep in thought. He finally said, hateful thoughts are crimes, man. The older hippie shrugged, not wanting to argue. Is hate and fundies a crime, Elijah asked? After a pause, he answered his own sentence. Because if it is, I'm ready for a night in jail and some probation, man. Oh, yeah, someone said. Elijah grinned. Tell me, when's SSA going to start wreaking havoc around here? The grins dissipated as the students looked at each other silently. Not these guys, someone chuckled. You should have seen the look on this guy's face when the officers at Seattle's G8 summit pulled out their batons. Man, 
The UT student laughed and lightly punched the gothic-appearing student next to him in the arm. So you gonna get witted today? Elijah asked again. You know, trash the anti-choice homophobes? We'll take care of them. Bobby, protested a clean-cut blonde fellow with dark sunglasses. Hey, loosen up, Bobby responded. He's one of us. Few of us are going to torch three car dealerships within a few miles of here. Then when the cops thin out here to go to the sites of the explosions, we've got a thousand anarchists around that are going to start breaking stuff. A thousand? Elijah held his smile firm. Where? Oh, here and there. Project Havoc, man, said Nick Crowder in a raspy whisper with a mischievous grin. If Governor Adams wants to lend credence to these godfreaks by hosting this march in Austin, then he and Austin are going to pay. Amen. The fellow with the sunglasses began to blaspheme and mock the marchers whose numbers were swelling in the streets. Nick stood up, leaned over, and gave Elijah an enthusiastic high-five that slid into a groovy finger-snapping handshake. Hang around us and you'll see plenty of havoc wreaking. Are you scared of someone finding out and wreaking havoc back on you? Elijah answered. Natalie tensed as soon as she realized Elijah was coming out of his disguise. Huh? Like who? Lots of these Texans have guns on them. They can carry a concealed weapon with a permit, you know. You think they're just going to sit around and watch you bust their cars and loot? We've done this before and we've never had much resistance, said the fellow with the sunglasses. They'll retreat. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Does that sound familiar? How'd you like it if somebody trashed your property or your business? The fellow with the beard squinted and studied Elijah's face, suspecting him to be kidding them. To each his own, man, the bearded fellow responded. Truth is relative, Nick nodded and put his sunglasses on his face. Right and wrong is what you want it to be. Oh, y'all don't mean that, Elijah said with a wave of his hand. If a state legislature wants to ban abortion or discriminate against gays, you wouldn't be giving me this to each his own nonsense. The only problem for you is this. How can there be right and wrong and absolute truth without God? If it just comes down to your opinion, then on what basis can your view of right and wrong be better than the view of someone who thinks abortion is murder and sodomy is sin? At least the Christians have a basis for right and wrong, but y'all... Elijah paused, rolled his eyes, and said, Y'all have your feet firmly planted on thin air. I think we've got a rat on our hands, Nick spat on the ground in front of Elijah. We gotta be as stupid as a grain of sand. One man's rat is another man's freedom fighter, responded Elijah. Don't wet your pants. I'm not gonna turn you in. You haven't done anything illegal yet. Underline and embolden that word yet. As he spoke, Nick Crowder whispered to the red-haired young lady in a pink halter top who sat next to him. She then stood up and made her way out of the circle. You have a death wish or something? The fellow with the cigarette hanging out of the corner of his mouth stood to his feet, intending to intimidate Elijah, who actually adopted an even more casual demeanor by leaning back against the tree behind him. Elijah looked up into his eyes. Can't you see how miserable you are in your sin, in your drugs and booze? You are completely lost without Jesus Christ. That comment opened a flood wall of foul curses that were heaved at him from every direction. Elijah just stared at them with a calm smile. Why don't you hit the pavement, pal? Nick shouted. Get! Y'all aren't being very tolerant today, are you? Elijah stood to his feet with a grunt. Anybody want to receive forgiveness of sins through the shed blood of Jesus? After an uneasy moment of silence, he said, Okay, your time's up. I leave you to your devices. He walked out of the circle and then stopped. By the way, any dealerships get torched or stores or cars get trashed and I'll be heading to the police department with your descriptions. Too late, said Nick Crowder. Red's already telling them that it was your idea. If anything happens, they'll blame you. Elijah looked over at the redhead who had left the circle earlier. She was speaking with the officer who stood on the other side of the yellow plastic tape. Elijah headed toward them, followed by Natalie. Now what are we going to do, one of the hippies asked Nick. Everything will work out, Nick encouraged them. We're not going to change our plans because of one Bible thumper. Elijah was relieved when he saw that the officer to whom the red-headed girl was speaking was the same one he had spoken with earlier. He said he had lots of help, Elijah heard her say as he walked up. Just keep an eye on him. Hello, officer. I'm the man she's lying about, Elijah said. Turning from the red-headed young woman to Elijah, the officer said, This woman claims that you are planning to vandalize some storefronts and attack some marchers. Elijah shook his head from side to side. No, no, no. 
He walked over there to a group of my friends and said he wanted to stir up some trouble and knock some heads, she squealed in a high-pitched, nervous voice. We have witnesses. Well, bring them forward, said Elijah. Let them perjure themselves so the police can identify them after the riot. Did you or did you not ask us to bust some heads with you? Her cheeks flushed as she wagged her finger at Elijah. Elijah recalled the comments he made when he was undercover. His countenance told his guilt. I told you, officer! Her high-pitched, squeaky voice made Elijah squint from pain. She moved her index finger even closer to Elijah's face. Watch him! I don't know, Nick whispered into the cell phone as he paced back and forth under a large oak tree. Some black guy. How could you be so stupid? Mitch Payne shouted as he stood in front of his mailbox with his hands full of mail. We blew it, Prof, Nick humbly admitted. We thought he was one of us. He had us played. Maybe he's an undercover cop or something. I don't know. Sweat broke out on his brow at the thought of displeasing his mentor. Do we continue as planned? Yes, yes, Mitch nodded, slammed the mailbox door shut, and headed toward the front door. But our chances of success may have diminished considerably, and why in the world would you call me on your phone? If they search your phone logs, then the whole thing will be dismantled. Don't worry, Nick assured him. I'll get the phone to someone who's not planning to get arrested. It's still your phone, you moron. Nick dropped his head, brushed his bushy hair out of his face with one of his hands, and sighed deeply. I'm... I'm sorry. Forget it. Listen, you can't get arrested now, but when bricks smash heads, make sure this African-American fellow's head is one of them. You got it. Thank you for listening to this reading from The Revolt of 2020. This chapter was read by Daniel Meyer and engineered by Park Leacock. The Revolt of 2020 and its sequels, The American Tyranny of 2020 and The Uncivil War of 2020, are available for purchase at docjohnstonnovels.com. That's docjohnstonnovels.com. O Lord, turn us back to you. Forgive our sins and heal our land.